Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith. And I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Um, my message tonight um, is entitled Living in Communion with the Holy Spirit. And so I feel like the term Holy Spirit, and I feel like the word and, and the concept of the Holy Spirit is something that it happens in, in, in maybe two ways sometimes. Number one, it's one of those things that it's not really talked about. And if it is talked about, it's kind of just referred to here and there, this kind of the concept and the idea of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit actually is. And I think that as a church and as a body and as individually in our lives, I think it's really important that, that we begin to go deeper into understanding what the Holy Spirit is and, and actually, I should say, who the Holy Spirit is. And so um, my message is, is entitled Living in Communion with the Holy Spirit. Let's just pray before we start. Father, the only reason we come out of the house in the snow was to come here and meet with you, Father. And I actually pray, Lord, that right now that would be the, the symphony of our hearts, God. I pray that would be the anthem of our heartbeat right now is to connect with the living God. Your presence is a gift, God. It's life-changing. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. And Lord, I just pray that this would be all you, Jesus. I pray you would speak, Father, and I pray that your words would land, God, and nothing but you, God, would, would move right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So yeah, I was saying, um, kind of the, as a church and as a community of worship, like we're starting to really see this kind of shift in worship. We're, we're, we're starting to let go. Even as a band, I'm not just speaking about out there. I'm, I'm speaking about us as a band, beginning to really let go and just, you know, why are we holding back? Like, why are we holding back? Let's just worship. Let's worship God. He, he, he is not afraid. He's not afraid of us making a bum note. He's not afraid of us singing off key. He just wants our hearts. And, and that's the thing. It's about the heart. It's about the connection of the heart. It's not actually about the outward appearance. Last time I was speaking, um, I referred to the story of David, and I referred to the moment when Samuel is, is the process of selecting the king. And, and there's this crazy revelation in the Bible, because actually, like I was saying before, I'm not going to go into the game, but I was saying before, Samuel at that time, um, you know, when we read the Bible, we believe he was one of the closest men to God on earth, so much so that he is deemed with the task of selecting the king. So here he is, and, and all these men are passing by, and the Lord just keeps saying, no, no, no. And God pulls him aside and says, Samuel, this is what you need to understand. It is actually about the heart. It's not about the appearance. It's not about your outward appearance. If you try and do that first, you miss the heart. It's actually about the heart. And that's what I see. And in the heart is when I start to cultivate a new life. And that's when your actions start to take control. And so we're going to look at this, this a, a passage in the Bible tonight in John um, chapter 16. And just really, I like, just, it's important to have just a little bit of context so we know where we're going from here. This passage of 15, 16, 17 is incredible. It's like there are times in life when you know yourself, we all struggle sometimes with reading the Bible. We struggle with like, where do I go? What do I do? And devotionals are awesome and they're brilliant. This is kind of like, there's portions of the Bible where it's like my go-to if I'm stuck because I know it will always speak to me and it's this kind of chunk of scripture and Jesus is preparing to leave he's preparing to die we've, we've had the moment of the last supper and now he starts to, to bring up all these revelations to his disciples he's like imparting wisdom almost and you have the passage about the vine and the branch and then it moves on to Jesus is talking about coming back but then Jesus hits them with I'm leaving because something else is coming and it's like at the beginning of the stages, they, they don't understand what's going on. In fact, most of the gospel, I love this, most of the gospel, disciples are actually pretty clueless. They have no idea what's going on. They're stumbling into stuff and they're going, right, he's feeding us, so we'll keep following. That's actually true. There's a moment Jesus turned around and said, you're only following me because I'm feeding you. 
And so they actually, for a long time in their journey with Jesus, were entirely clueless. It sounds a bit familiar. I don't know about you, but I do feel absolutely clueless sometimes, absolutely, utterly clueless, but yet God is faithful. And so here in this moment, Jesus is revealing this, this, this uh, revelation. So if you, we're going to look at John um, 16, 5 to 14. We're going to focus just on those couple of verses. Um, if you don't have a Bible, do not panic. It should be on the screen. Um, so John 16, 5 to 14. I'll just read the first ver- verse five first. So verse five says, "But now, should be on the screen, yeah. But now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking me where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you." Pause there for a second. The spine in my Bible is really annoying; like it doesn't sit. I so I have to tip it upside down because it keeps closing. I don't want to lose my page, but um. So we're, we're, we're on this point. So Jesus is revealing this revelation to his disciples, but he senses in the disciples' heart weight. He senses there's, there's, they're grieving. And it's interesting because even notice, even notice what Jesus says here, because Jesus says, but not one of you, not one of you is asking where I'm going. You see, at this point, the disciples hear something and they respond by grief without actually seeing the full picture without actually seeing what's, what's going on here. It's a, it's a similar theme. There's the, the point when Jesus heals the man beside the pool and, and the disciples turn around and they say to him, they say, Jesus, what, why is this man lame? Is it his sins or is it his parents' sins? And God turns around and goes, it's actually none of those things. You, you've actually asked the wrong question. This is happening so that the revelation of God will be revealed. And, and that's the thing that we need to understand because living in communion with the Holy Spirit, the first thing requires a change in mindset. The Bible talks about the renewal of your mind. It actually requires a shift in your focus because right now the disciples are grieving. They're staring straight at the circumstance. All they've really heard is the details Jesus is leaving and they've got it, absolutely got it. Because think about it, they've left their entire lives and they're following this guy and all of a sudden he's turning around saying, I'm, I'm gonna go now. And so naturally as the human response, like, I actually find a bit of relief in this because so often we look maybe at like leaders and people on the stage and go, they've got it all together. But, and even we look at the disciples and, you know, but here they're human. Peter was talking about this morning, about the fact that, you know, very ordinary people, very real people, and this is their response. They're actually got it because they stare at their circumstance from like without any other perspective. It's just looking straight on at what Jesus says and they're grieving. And there's actually a passage in Isaiah 55 where God talks about, for my ways are not their ways and my thoughts are not their thoughts. And so living in communion with the Holy Spirit and living in relationship with God requires a change of mindset. It requires us to stop looking at circumstances and going A, B, C. Because like, even when we, we do our devotions, and I, I don't know, how we, if, we, you know if, if there's some guys out there maybe are struggling. I don't know. We go through spells where it is tough. I've, I've experienced that. But maybe it's because when you're, when you're coming to God, you have a fixed agenda. Here's what we're going to do. A, B, C. See you later. And God actually hasn't had a chance to get a word in. And so often it actually it begins with a shift in mindset. It begins in stop, stop seeing things from your own understanding and, and lift your, Paul talks about it, to lift your mind onto things of above. I remember, um, I remember I was, I was sitting in a coffee shop and it was actually last year and I remember I was like journaling away and, and, and this, this, this family came into the coffee shop. It was a mother, a father and a child, a little tiny child. And I was sitting there and I saw the child come up the stairs and I'm actually really glad they didn't notice me in the corner because they had thought this guy is nuts. But the Lord actually spoke to my heart, like, I want you to pay attention to what's going on in this moment. 
I was like, okay, right, weird. They're going to think I'm just staring at them. But I just watched and observed. And this little kid was in the father's hands. And the father walked over, and there was like a little table. And the, the father set the kid down, and he was coloring in, and it was all great. And the mother in the corner was preparing a high chair with food. And the father then came over and lifted the child, to which caused World War Three. Because the child was obviously in the zone. He was just about to get the better shade of red, and he was really into this moment. And the father was like, no, let's go over here. And the son was going berserk. And actually, I was at this point watching this story. It was like, you know when God speaks to you, and it connects straight to the, the season you're in. And I was in a place at that point in my life where I was rushing on ahead of God. And my perspective was, was straight on. At the, it was not on like the bigger picture at this point at all. It was straight at my circumstance. And I was rushing on in. And at this point, in a similar way, so was the kid. The kid was like seeing his moment. He's like, this is it right here. And the father's like, no, there's something else. Picks him up and carries him away. And the kid was in hysterics. And then the father like comes around the corner and the mom was there with the high chair. And the second the kid got a glimpse of the high chair, the tears just like stopped completely. And at this point, I was just undone absolutely undone because at this moment I realized that there's an intimacy and understanding relationship with God. It's not just thoughts and understandings and perceptions and God is this X, Y, and Z. It's beyond that. It's so much more beyond that. It goes so much deeper to the point where Father, Abba Father, sees you as a child of God and your son and you're loved in intimacy. And I'll tell you something. I was speaking last Sunday in, in Kilkeel and I was, I was kind of sharing a bit of my personal story. I'm not going to jump in there because then I'll really deviate and get really lost. But anyway, that was the one thing that changed my life. If I told you three years ago I was like in the world, loving life, thought I was loving life, partying, going to clubs and doing all this kind of that and the other. And I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a Christian background. But it just, this is the thing. Your faith is personal. It is between you and God. No one else can determine your faith. People can pray into your circumstance, but it's your call. It's your decision. And so often we put these barriers up. And so I had amazing people speak into my life, but yet it never set home for me. It was just Christianity. But I was doing all this, doing all that, doing all this. And God actually broke through my life in a nightclub. Because I remember standing going like, Why? what am I doing here? There's no life. And I left that night. I went home and I cried in the kitchen floor of my student house. Just cried for ages. And eventually my tears shifted from tears of pain to tears of intimacy. As my father scooped me up, literally scooped me up, and started to whisper things like, you're mine, you're my son. And that's the reality of living as a Christian. That is the reality when we come under the gospel of grace, because it's good news. You know, you hear about it all the time, the good news, the good news, or the good news. It is actually good news. It is good news. It's not just, like, good news. It's good news. It is. And it's not, it's not fake. It's not fake emotion. Like, there's days you don't feel it. There's days it doesn't feel like good news, because there's days your news is bad news. But the thing about it is, when your news is bad news, his news is still good news. And that is the news that is spoken over our lives, the news of Jesus and the news of intimacy. And so, perspective, living in communion with the Holy Spirit. Before we even, because you cannot understand the Holy Spirit if you come at him with your own understanding. You cannot understand God's heart if you come at him with your own understanding. And that is why, before we even jump into what Jesus is saying, before, because the thing about John's gospel is, John's gospel is really focused on not so much the actions, but more what the actions are saying. And so there's always these details of like, and that's a really helpful way to study the gospel of John, is notice what is going on and ask the question, what is this saying about Jesus? What is this saying about the nature of God? Because right now in this moment, this is saying something. The disciples' reaction to what Jesus turns around and says is saying something about what we do in humans. We always look at a situation 
And we're so locked in by that moment that we become, like everything else becomes like in and around us and we feel kind of trapped. And the Lord's like, he just calls us out because his ways are higher. So verse seven, moving on. But in fact, Jesus says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And actually, if we could go on to the next few verses as well. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. And again, just hit the pause button there for a second. Living in communion with the Holy Spirit and God is living under conviction. Now, now stop there, because there's a difference. And I actually honestly believe this is where one of the ways in which the enemy is attacking the Christian church, because we do not know the difference between conviction and condemnation. The door just opened. <laughs> That's weird. Thanks, Johnny. We do not understand the, def- the difference between condemnation and conviction, and I actually really believe that the enemy tries to get in and model this up, model this area up, because, and here's the difference, and here's like the, the, the this is one to remember, because this has really changed my life, is that condemnation will keep you stuck. It will keep you locked in a place, it will keep you unable to move, it will hammer you, and that's the voice of the enemy, that Jesus actually calls the enemy the father of lies, because he's a liar. So condemnation will keep you stuck. Conviction actually pushes you forward. Conviction actually takes you, takes you from where you are and launches you somewhere. So if you feel right now in your life the weight of something, it's so important to understand who's saying what. It's so un- important to understand if it's condemnation or if it's conviction. Why? Because conviction is dosed in grace. It's like sticky with it. It's rich. I imagine a fire and I imagine God just dumping on fuel. That's grace. It just it doesn't stop. There's an amazing, amazing, amazing speaker Matt Chandler, and he says this, he talks about this process of, of waiting on the Lord, um, and he, he talks about it being a really uncomfortable kind of time, and he says, what do you do when your, your mind gets it, but your heart's not quite there? So your mind understands the truth, but your heart is not like quite there. He talks about you, you take yourself and you step under the waterfall of grace, and I love that imagery of grace, because it does flood like a waterfall. It's not like drips, it's not drips, and it's, it's a waterfall. And in order to be released into relationship with God, we've got to understand this concept of grace. We've got to get it. The fact that Jesus has actually already paid it all, because as Peter again was talking about, it's not about constantly do, do, doing to try and be a better person. It's realizing that it's already done. Now let that change you, because that's not being stuck. I've said it there. Conviction will not keep you stuck. Grace will actually launch you forward. It will change your mind. You cannot do it, but he can that's the thing that changed my life. I remember my whole life trying to fix the problem of going out partying. I couldn't do it. I, I, and you know, I look back on it now, and like with our friendship group, we, you know, we, we were very like strict with each other, and we had like a little book, you know, like, and we would mark, you know, different things if we'd fallen or if we hadn't fallen, and it was it was innocent at the time, but it was useless to be honest. Didn't do anything because I still hadn't understood grace. I actually still hadn't understood that there's something better. That's what really hit me that night in the nightclub, was I realized when I looked around, I was like, I don't actually enjoy this, like honestly. I realized there's something better. There's something so much better. And in this day and age, the world is crying out for something better. I've said, we talked about the good news and the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, that good news is living inside of us. 
Romans 8 talks about the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside us. It is not just this little thing that we, you know, day about, oh, I'm a Christian, go to church, hello, you know, what's up, yep, yep. See how they're, oh, see their awful coat, awful coat. You know, religion, I hate religion. I really hate it. Because it robs of us life. It robs life. It steals it. The enemy comes to steal and destroy, and, and religion will rob your life. Jesus will give you life. And living under the good news and living under this truth of conviction. Because Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, it's going to convict the world. You're going to feel in your heart, ah, it's not right. It's not right. But with that will come hope. And you've got to allow that to change your life. The Bible also talks about the father disciplines his child because he loves his child. He doesn't discipline his child because it's like a religious whip. Ah, He loves his children. He loves you. He loves us. And when you feel conviction, listen to it. But don't just listen to it with your own perception. Listen to it riddled with grace, the truth of grace. And then verse 10 and 11. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Now, notice that really quickly. Living by the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about this understanding the mindset and, and the shift in your mindset. And the biggest shift that I said comes in the, in the realization that condemnation and conviction are really different. The voice of the enemy comes of one who has already been judged. He is the only person, he's the only living person right now that is fully condemned and fully without hope. He's the only one that's already been judged. And he is trying to instill that mindset. He tries to instill that mindset all the time. All the time in our lives that you suck. You can never live up to it. You'll never be able to do this. And that is the voice of the enemy. That is the voice of condemnation. But look at this. Jesus says, righteousness is available. Again, this is a really challenging thing because righteousness, even it's basic terms like that we hear all the time. But I, I was listening to a, a podcast really recently about righteousness. And I, I realized that I got so mixed up in what righteousness actually was. Because righteousness is actually given. Self-righteous is works. It is trying to stir up something. That's self-righteous. That is, I'm better than this. I'm going to be holier than thou. Righteousness is humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God and receiving the gift of righteousness. Paul talks in Corinthians that he who knew no sin became sin so that we could be the righteousness. And living in relationship with God is recognizing that righteousness is given. Righteousness is given, and that is the thing that begins to transform your life, that you actually begin to become the righteousness of Christ by grace, not by works, not by what, but we think we can do. By grace, and as Peter was saying this morning, that stirs works, that calls us into action, that calls us into living. One of the most humbling things I've had to do this year is, is work behind a counter in a coffee shop. And honestly, I struggled at the start because I was like, ah, I just want to, I just graduated, I'm like, I want to be out there, ah. And God was like, no. Stay. So I'd serve coffee, make cappuccinos, and practice really hard at my latte art, which posted on Instagram nobody really cared about. But I really tried. I was like, I'm trying to get this, trying to do the wee tulip and all. But actually, it was really crazy because I was, I was standing there, and, and so far this year, every day, a Thursday at around half ten, there's like an addiction center that's like down the road. And this guy would come in. He's called Dan, and he would come in, and him and I would have a conversation. I remember the first time he came in, you know, he was really quiet and just didn't really say very much and we ended up just talking and talking and, and that was fine nothing really was else was said just other than here's your latte have a nice day see you later next week he came back in 
And I, I started to notice it was slowly like a shift in this guy. Like, now bearing in mind, this guy's story is incredible. Literally like four months ago, he was like one of the top whatever, like struggling with drugs and really living in this like anguish and pain. And it, it was all he ever known. In fact, he told me that he'd never owned a bank account. <laughs> like, and he was like 30. Like crazy, crazy, crazy trapped and all this stuff. And I was watching this guy's life begin to change. And he was laying these things down and no longer. But all of a sudden, there was like a shift in him as a person. Started to open up more. And anyway, fast forward to the present time. He still comes in every Thursday. And we're like best mates. I support Leeds. He texts me about Leeds all the time. He's like, yo, mate, Leeds lost this week. And I'm like, don't remind me, I know. But it's amazing what God does. But actually in that interaction, God was teaching me the persistentness of his heart. I don't know if that's a word. The persistent nature of his heart. That... There would be a full week would pass, but 10 minutes every Thursday, this guy would come in. Again, a full week would pass. And the week was good. Stuff happened, but it was Thursday I waited for. And I still wait for it, yet I'm buzzing for this Thursday. Because every Thursday, it would come down. And it's getting to the point now we're sitting down having conversations about Jesus. He's like, will you pray for me? He's a conscience of a God, and it's unbelievable. It is incredible, the transformation of his life. But it's given. It is handed. It is reached into your utmost misery and it is handed by the grace of God. And the biggest picture of that is, is the good news of Jesus. Jesus stepped down into the world. He, he took on, obviously, the worst possible death and he handed righteousness and he handed relationship with the Holy Spirit and relationship with God. And in verse 12, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future, and he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. And so just really quickly, this is important to get, that Jesus is revealing the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. And it's, it's, it's important even just these basic... I've got to remind myself of this all the time. What the Holy Spirit says in your life is directly from Jesus himself. Because Father, Son, and Spirit, they're all in relationship. Because in the beginning of time, when we read in John chapter 1 about um, the, Spirit of the, God, or the Spirit of God like hovering over the waters, and, and the Word was in, Jesus was there from the very start. You see, there's a, I, I remember sitting in a, in a class, one of my theology classes, and the, this teacher just wrecked me the way he talked. And my heart was just, I was crying. But he was talking about the Father, Son, and Spirit. Because they, they actually, God did not actually need to create to receive love. Because God was already in full love. Father, Son, Spirit, they just loved each other. And so God decides to make man right in the middle. And here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus himself. The Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is the present God living inside of our lives. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And, and, and sometimes it can get really complicated. But just know this, that Holy Spirit is not something like really weird. It's not a term that you should be afraid of. It's God himself, and, and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will heal, and, and, and does heal right now. And miracles are true. And here's another thing. Notice in the Gospels that all the time the disciples are constantly being blown away by, by Jesus and, and who Jesus is, but by his miracles. And this, the thing about this country is, in, this, in Northern Ireland, I find in general, it's actually not that most people tend to believe in God. It's just they haven't seen him. Most people actually, I remember one night we were down the street and we were chatting to a bunch of teenagers and they were all like, I believe in God. I just, why would I go to church? I haven't seen anything that would make me want to go there. And here's the thing, the weight 
of God is not on us because Jesus says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But when you walk in relationship with the Holy Spirit, when you walk in relationship with God as a Christian, all of a sudden God begins to diffuse himself through you. All of a sudden God starts to call us as an ambassador. Like I said this last time I was speaking here, but like honestly, do we even get what that means? When an ambassador comes, he is a representation of the king. When you walk into work, you're a representation of the king. When you walk into school, when you walk into university, when you come in right now and sit here, you're a representation of the king. Never take that lightly. Never take that lightly. And it's not this big pressure and you've got to say the right things. It's really not. It's not about that. Because when you're in communion with God, like think about it, we're in communion right now. Like when I see Dylan, I'm not pressurized to say all the right stuff. I just love hanging out with Dylan. Why is it any different when it comes to God? Why do we always think we have to put on this voice to talk to God? He loves us. And actually, I remember there was one time in my life I was starting to turn around and I was driving home and I was coming through the mountains. I'm from Kilkeel and I was coming through the mountains and the Lord, like, I just, there's this mountain called Knockery and I felt like in my heart, I just have to climb that. And I was in my jeans, like, I wasn't even prepared. I was like, I've got to climb that mountain. And I went and I like, because I was just really, still enthusiastic, but I was really enthusiastic back then. I was like, the Lord wants to speak to me. Climbed to the very top of the mountain and I sat there and I was like, I'll show you how I sat. I was like, "Ah." I was waiting, like waiting for the Lord to just blow me away. And as I was sitting there, all excited, nothing happened. I was like, what on earth? I was sitting there like so enthusiastic and nothing actually happened. And then I felt the presence of the Lord say, what are you waiting for? And I was like, I don't know, just like, I don't know, some crazy moment. I don't know, anything. And he goes, why do you think I've called you here? I don't know. You're so busy all the time. Run, 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 run. And actually, your life is transformed, and that's amazing. But you're still like... Because for some reason, it's amazing. There's a passion of the Lord that stirs when we first get saved or when we first come into a relationship. And we're like, I want to serve. Stick me. Let, I'll preach next week. You know what I mean? And it's amazing. And I'm not, I am not for any second dampening that at all. But in the enthusiasm and in the rush, never run ahead of God. And that, again, that is not the damp on your fire at all. But sometimes we become so lost in the do, do, do. God just actually wants relationship. He actually just wants communion. He actually wants just to sit with us. And there's a beautiful, it's not on the screen, but I'll, there's something that Jesus says is really, really beautiful before this passage, and it is in John 15. Um, he says... John 15, verse 15, he says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends and I've told you everything the Father has told me. That's crazy. I no longer see you as slaves, but I call you friends. And and this this is so important, that living in relationship with God and living as a Christian, he actually calls you friend. Oh my goodness, that is the scandal of grace. So often, I, I really believe this, that, that Christians are oppressed from the point of view of keep your head down, mind your own business, do not speak when, or only speak when spoken to, and, and just float around every day. But you know what? God has actually called us to lift our heads high and know that the grace of God will chase you down, and it's the grace of God that transforms your life, and just watch God move. I was listening to a video where Christine Kane was speaking about worship, and it is God that moves, because we were talking about it as a team before we, before we, we were singing tonight, that it's funny, because sometimes, you know, you notice maybe the first song, 
And then halfway through the second song, something just releases in the room and, and we just start to worship and, and we experience the presence of the Lord. It is God that will move, but it requires a yes. It requires an open heart. It requires an open heart to actually receive because every single thing that we have, we've received. We know the verse that says, he lo- we love because he first loved us. Right down to love, you can trace every single back, everything, right down to the very breath, every single thing we have, we've received. Everything, right down to that, the very first moment where he breathed life into our nostrils. And the same applies with righteousness. The same applies with living. It's a gift, and it's given. And then here, as well, just in that, in that last bit, there's, there's a bit, if we could just jump back to the verses, verse 12, verse 11, yeah, yeah. There's just a little bit here, and verse 12, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. And Jesus is talking about you need the Spirit inside of you to, to fully hear what's going on, but also speaking to the specific place that they were, because as I told you before, they don't actually know really what's going on. And, and could, it, could it honestly be that there's someone in here tonight, or there's a few of us in here tonight that's really waiting on the Lord and really like, come on, God, where are you at? It is God's desire to give it to you. It is God's desire to speak. But what if it's not the right time? And what if the place that you're in right now is serious preparation? Do not rush the preparation. I'm actually in that right now. That's why I can speak from it fresh because I feel myself in the preparation. Do not rush ahead of God. Because there is moments in your life when God will walk you in a certain place to prepare you for things to come. And here's the cool thing. Because these same disciples that at this point were confused and didn't really understand what was going on. They were upset and they were hurt. The Bible actually goes on to say that at a point when, when Peter and the, these guys were, were, were planted and evangelizing, the people were being healed in Peter's shadow. His literal shadow. They, Peter wasn't even touching them. People were, were healed in his shadow. It's the same guy that, that denied Jesus. The same guy that messed up, the same guy that constantly didn't understand it, yet stuck by it, yet continued to walk under it, and all of a sudden his life just changed. And that's what I was talking about, righteousness. If you go your whole life, sorry, my sleeves are really annoying me. If you go your whole life trying to do it and trying to like get on ahead, you'll just burn out. But when you come under the grace of God, when you come under the relationship with the Holy Spirit, he will walk you and things will change. And you'll make a mistake and he'll pick you back up and you chase after his heart. And keep chasing and keep chasing because the father does not withhold any good thing from his child. And so there is, there is seasons of, of preparation. And so I guess in, in tying up in the, the final couple of verses, when, when Jesus is talking here about the spirit that's coming and the spirit of truth that's going to be, be released because what that does is it opens up relationship. And I was talking about that verse about friendship. I know that the general response right now, maybe by some people might be, but you know, that's, that's all well and good, but I'm, my story is insignificant. I don't actually do very much. I go to work and come home and whatever else, and you might feel like your story is insignificant. There's a beautiful story in, in, in Matthew. It's, called, it's on the road to a mess, and it's, in a nutshell, it's after Jesus um, is, rises from the dead, and, and there's, this, there's these two guys. Now, we you hear this, because these two guys, there's only one of them's named, Right? One of them is named, the other one doesn't even have a name. And so actually, it shows you that the details of, of who they are and what they are really isn't significant. It's what does Jesus do? And so there's this road called a mess. And my dad was actually in, in, in Israel 
and I've heard different people talk about this, but the tour guides actually don't know where Emmaus actually is. They don't know where the road actually is. They're like, we think it's here. We're not really fully sure. In a nutshell, every detail about this story doesn't matter, but what does Jesus do? Jesus is 40 days before he rises into heaven. He's got a lot of work to do because he's got to appear to the people that think he's dead. He's got quite a lot to do. But what does Jesus do? He goes down this road and he walks this road and he comes up behind these two guys who are got it because they follow Jesus and they're got it that Jesus is dead. And you really should check this story out because it's really incredible. It's in Matthew. I think it's towards the end. I can't remember. Just type in the road to Emmaus. Um, but Jesus comes up behind them. He's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, and the Bible talks about God, God had sort of veiled them so they couldn't really see. They couldn't really see Jesus. And they, they actually begin to tell Jesus about Jesus. Well, Jesus, there's, or they don't say Jesus, but they're like, well, there's this man who we followed and, and now he's dead and, and we don't know what to do. And, and Jesus is like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Just listen as they tell him about Jesus. The point of this is your story is not insignificant. Your life is not insignificant. And if you may think that your road or your journey is not as glamorous as someone else's, I'm just on this little road that doesn't really matter. Like, I've been through so much now that there is no hope for me. I've gone so far down this road that it no longer matters. The same gift of righteousness that we've been speaking about is applied to you. It's not for someone else and not for someone else. It's for everyone. All I'm doing right now even is testifying of what Jesus has done to my life. The same gift, I'm not special. But I believe. I believe that there's only one hope, and that is relationship with the Father. And so to sum up, there's a lot in there, four things in communion and relationship with the Holy Spirit. And remember what I said, the Holy Spirit, again, is Jesus and is, is God himself. It's about new eyes, and it's about a new perspective. And the Bible is constantly that theme of set your mind of things above. And, and actually, it's the band just, well, I am the band, but you're the band too. <laughs> and Azaria. Um, new eyes, a new perspective, and a shift in thoughts. Because if you live your whole life trying to come at it from your own understanding, you'll struggle to see. You'll struggle to fully see what's up. And it requires understanding that there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. And the difference is, conviction is full of grace and will lead you somewhere. Condemnation is from the enemy and you'll be stuck. And timing. God's timing is the best. And you may be in a season where you're hungry for something and God's like, just wait. Just wait. Just keep going to this thing that's on, that I'm sending you to, whether it's church or a, a small group or or that person that keeps speaking life into you, send them a text. Or that worship song that you keep on listening to and it's making you cry, keep listening to it. But more than that, when you hear my voice, don't run. Because there's actually something really beautiful in understanding that, you know when you're with in a relationship with someone and it gets to the point when you actually, you don't even have to speak. It's not like it's not uncomfortable anymore. Like you can sit in silence and it's sweet. There's a beautiful thing even in relationship with God that when you understand his presence, his presence just rests and doesn't move. You may not feel it, but that's the beautiful thing about the word of God that we read about is it's fixed, full stop. It's not up for debate. And finally, it's relationship. It's not you wake up and there's a bunch of chores now you've got to do and then sweet, done. 
It's also not, I have my five minutes and that's it. It's not, I go to church on the Sunday and that's it. It's every day. You might not always feel it, but it's every day. Constantly, all the time. People sometimes go to me, you better be careful. You're going to burn out. I'm like, it is, it's not me. It's God. And there are days I don't feel it. There are days that I'm, like, I just walked through a season really recently where I really struggled. But I know that my Father loves me. And I'm not testifying about anything I'm making up. I'm testifying about Jesus. And if anyone, you know, someone might rise up and go, well, that's arrogant. John himself called himself the one that Jesus loved. He himself declared, I'm the one that Jesus loved. Just one time in my life when God actually started saying to me, inwardly, I want you to start thinking of yourself, you're the one that I love. Because God has this incredible way. We see favoritism as one person annihilate and then the other person doesn't matter because that's what we, we see, oh, you're the favorite, so you're not. But God's love is a favoritism in a way that you're his favorite, you're his favorite. You're also his favorite and you're his favorite. That is intimacy with God. It doesn't eliminate one or the other. As a child of God, you're the one that he loves. And sometimes we just got to let that sink in. We've got to let that hit our hearts. I say, and not just our heads, our hearts. Because if you come at God with your head all the time, it'll just be like a big salad bowl tossed round and round and round and round and round. When you come at it with your heart, just watch the walls fall. Just watch them. Watch it transform your life. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at ariatchurch.org and give now. And we'll see you next time on the Ariat Church Podcast.